Welcome to the Let's Get Real podcast with Justin and Trisha Davis. Honest conversations about life, love, and leadership. So welcome. What is up, guys? Welcome to the Let's Get Real podcast with Justin and Trisha Davis. We are excited for episode number five. You guys... I just want to prepare you. You should probably have your hand near the volume button on this episode because I may do a lot of laughing. And if you've listened to any of our prior episodes, you know I am a loud laughter. But today's guests are Nick and Jess Connolly. They are an incredible couple. They are pastors, authors, speakers, mom, dad. I'm sure there's a bunch of they're other gonna, names. They're going to tell you all the stuff that they do that make you feel bad about yourself. <laughs> but they... No, really. They just get down to earth about all the topics we want to talk about. Parenting. Leadership. Church ministry. They introduce us to a topic and a term that we have never heard before. It's true. It is called... Irish triplets. And so if you're intrigued, just keep listening. But before we get started with this episode, we want to tell you about something we're really excited about that we are launching soon. November the 3rd. It's a Thursday evening, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. We're inviting you to our first ever marriage, marriage mentor, mentor master class. I'm still learning how to say it. Trish doesn't necessarily do alliteration very well. And nah. so she she you know deferred to me to come up with the name of marriage mentor masterclass rolls right off the tongue it does so november the 3rd 8 p.m it is a live zoom event it's it's free we're excited about the content we've just developed this brand new content to help you have a healthy marriage so, so who should show up for this if you're in crisis join us if your marriage is phenomenal then be prepared to teach it eight, <laughs> eight o'clock on November 3rd. No, I'm just joking. If your marriage is phenomenal, I think you're going to benefit from this. If you're just looking for ways to improve your marriage, get it into a healthier place. We believe this 45 minutes is going to add tremendous value to you. And then we're going to leave the last 15 minutes open for Q and a. So we're going to do live Q and a as well. Uh, so you can register by going to the show notes of this podcast episode, or you can go to refineus.org and register there free of charge. November the 3rd, 8 PM. We hope to see you online. So without further ado, welcome Nick and Jess Connolly. Welcome Nick and Jess Connolly. We are so grateful to have you guys on the Let's Get Real podcast and just excited to spend time with you. We have been friends on social media and in some real life uh, settings before, but it's great just to connect with you guys again. And so thank you guys for mo so much for being with us today. So we'd love for you guys Same. to just uh, tell us a little bit about your family where you guys are at, season of life, fun stuff. You got it. You want to go for it? You go for it, and I will fill in and correct. Good, and good. That's exactly how we do. do speaking engagements. When Trish doesn't say something the way I think it should be done, I just go back and reiterate everything she just yeah, said. Just, well, just you just go, and I'll just yeah. correct everything. We are Nick and Jess Connolly. We live in Charleston, South Carolina, and we lead Bright City Church together, which we planted, with, and it's seven years old. And we have four kids who are, our older three are Irish triplets and they all turn birthdays at the same time. So they're all turning right now. So they're right now 14, 13 and 12. And then we have an eight year old. Jeez. That just made me really tired. Okay. I just, I'm, I'm way slow to this game. What is Stop Irish there. triplets? Yeah, that's What's important. Irish triplets mean? <laughs> well, they call kids Irish <laughs> twins when they're born, like within a year of each other. Okay. And so we call ours Irish triplets because... Okay. Born within a year, but there's three. Of them. Was that planned, or did you just guys just kind of go for it, or <laughs> what happened there? We weren't not planning. 
<laughs> Obviously. <laughs> funny. It's funny. One of our kids yes asked, her, asked us yesterday. It's the only time they've ever asked us. But they said, like, did you plan this? No, actually, it was was uh, one of the children an accident. So it wasn't yes, that you plan. It was like, was one of us an accident? Oh, uh, OK. Yeah. So they wanted to probably use that against him or her that probably, they, they might yeah. have been an accident. And the truth is, you know, we um, our first. We had our first when we had only been, we, we got pregnant when we had only been eight months married and we had the perfect baby. And if anybody's listening to this podcast, if you've had multiple kids, usually at least one is like the perfect baby. It's true. Yes. And he was the perfect baby. He never cried. He slept through the night. He was like an angel cherub and he was our first. And so we thought we're really good at this. Yeah. Perfect baby equals perfect parents. We true. I mean, we true. just thought like we're we excel at making humans. So then we were like, well, we won't not try to get pregnant. And so we got pregnant with the second very quickly. And um, she broke us. Yeah. She was what you call like. <laughs> In all the best ways. She was what you call like the not perfect baby. So we had a horrific pregnancy with her, like a million health issues. Aww. She literally did not stop crying for nine months. Mm. Um and just had a ton of health issues, really hard childhood years, um, even just health wise. And so when she was uh, like two or three months old, real talk, you know how when people get pregnant a lot and people will say like, do you guys know how that happens? Like yeah. I, we were like two years <laughs> in a marriage and I was like, maybe I don't understand. <laughs> like, <laughs> You're sleeping next oh, to each other and getting pregnant. Gosh. I read a natural family planning book and I didn't finish it. And I don't suggest that. I went to the doctor when she was two or three months old and like kind of walked in to say like, I don't know if I'm doing this right, but like, you need to explain to me how to not get pregnant again. (laughs) And when I was in the doctor, they said, well, you know how you like leave a pee sample? Like you're pregnant. Again. Again. Oh my gosh. Oh, so you were so, literally going yeah, this, in for re- I thought you were joking. Like you for no, real was mm-hmm. saying, hey, we, we want to make sure this doesn't happen again. And then- I went into the OB to say like, tell me more. Me the rhythm, me the, we're out of rhythm on the rhythm method. We're out yeah. of rhythm. This was also pre-app. Like, you know, now no your, your phones tell you to do it or yeah. not do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. There were no apps. Like, <laughs> 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 it's true. There were no apps. And I had like, I was 20 three and had two babies and you know we're in full-time ministry and so I was like I I just might not super understand this system yeah. maybe just like yeah. put something in me give me a shot do whatever you need to do I before that I've been like pretty natural I was like forget it yeah. don't be I'm not crunchy anymore <laughs> yeah just give me whatever you need <laughs> to give, give me, me. The drug. Where you're like we're going like, straight up 1950s Nick you get your own room <laughs> bam yes. there you go and but yeah. so I went in and, and literally Twin at that beds. appointment they were like you're you're pregnant we were kind of the same way, but in a, in a, in a different, like not the Irish twin triplets type, but Micah was, he was a rough baby, but he was such a sweet kid. And then that we were, we were, we were awesome parents. Like we were married for four months, got pregnant. Yeah. yeah. Killing it. So he, yes. you know, he came five days after our first year anniversary. Super smart. Just such a sweet kid. And rode then, his bike without training wheels at like three I'm like, he's, he's going to race BMX bikes for a living. That's what he's going to do. 
Like it's just amazing. Exactly. And then Elijah was born and he, same thing, like super sick baby. <laughs> and like, it just turned our world upside down. We're actually recording this podcast in his old bedroom yeah. because he got married and moved out. And so we thought, let's get other furniture in there as fast as we possibly can. So he cannot come back. Can't come back. Can't yeah, come back. Come back. So, Sorry, bro. Your yeah. room's busy. Like it's taken. Justin had just quit his job at the church we were at to plant our very first church plant. This was in 2002. Okay. Yep. And our we had two cars, one that worked most of the time, and then another car, not so much. And he had the working car. I had the not so working car. And my Elijah, who's severely asthmatic, had this huge asthma attack. And oh, so... Man. It was just awful. He wasn't, Justin wasn't there. He was out of town. So I take him to the hospital. We do what we need to do. And for some reason, I don't know, my doctor just told me that I cannot have any more kids. I should not have any more kids. I just, it's not healthy for you. And I just picked up a pregnancy test. And we were three days from moving to plant our first um, wow. church. And we, we didn't, I was and we, you know, that was 2002. There was no church planning organization that I was aware of. Yeah. It, was just, it was just us. It was just the four yeah. of us. I mean, all, the four and a half of us, almost five it of was, us. Now. It was super romantic how I told him he got home and we got into a huge fight and we were like arguing, arguing. Then I just sat down and I'm like, I'm pregnant. It was <laughs> silence. <laughs> we mourned it and celebrated it all in the same moment. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think now I, there's like, you have to get a video crew and then there's these yeah. birth announcements and you. It's so much pressure now. We didn't roll like that. that. No. None of that. No, you were I having it so fast. You could have just used the same hey. video over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Nobody would have even known. One time I found out I was pregnant at Walmart. That's a true story. <laughs> so they named the kid Walmart. That's I'm not just true. Kidding. That's not true. <laughs> so you guys, you guys started Bright City seven years ago, but that's not really like, I mean, you guys do a ton more in ministry. Talk a little bit about mm-hmm. kind of your writing and you, Jess, you do all kinds of writing and speaking and, and some online ministry. I, I, you're from an outsider looking in, you, you, you guys appear to be like serial entrepreneurs. Like you just like our starters and kind of are very creative. So talk about kind of the the birthplace of some of the other stuff outside of the church. Yeah, mm. not untrue that we I would say we are a little bit serial starters. So, I mean, that after that third baby, really the story really comes from that. We we hit like an incredibly broken place. Mm. We had moved cross country to work at a maternity home. We had pregnant pregnant teens living in our home and we were um kind of like helping raise them and helping them decide what to do with their lives. And Nick was in seminary and we had, had moved across country for a church that ended up kind of imploding and, mm-hmm. and exploding and, and dying essentially. And, um, in the midst of that, we were also just really experiencing a lot of brokenness and a lot of our own brokenness. And you can imagine like, um, postpartum depression and poverty. And it was the middle of the recession, middle of the recession, just like being, being across the country from family and processing that. And, um, in, in the middle of all that, I was a mommy blogger. I'd, I'd essentially been a blogger since we got married. Um, and I didn't, I wasn't like a serious blogger. I blogged about hair and reality <laughs> TV and like occasionally about God. Like, Can I please yeah. have links? Because I, that I'll sounds really my very, my very first blog post was about Jessica Simpson's hair. Like that's a true story. Like, so awesome. Story. 
Um, and, uh, and, and so I just kept writing, I kept writing through the thick of that. And I like to say it was like a train wreck, like people just couldn't look away. And, um, I, I still to this day, like have people who will DM me and, or email me and say like, I have been following you since like 2008, waiting to see if you are going to lose your baby weight. And I'm like, jokes on you. I haven't. So (laughs) still there. I think people are following me right now, seeing if I'm going to lose my baby weight. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, just like, it was like a train wreck, train wreck that people couldn't look away. But in the midst of that, our family started to experience just wild healing Mm -hmm. and vision and purpose and newness, um, around the gospel and around ministry and in our family. And so, um, in the midst of that, we started an online business called nap time diaries, where we created essentially scripture prints. That wasn't like a thing back then. You couldn't go to Hobby Lobby and buy something cute with scripture on it. Yeah. Um, and so we started a company that we didn't even really know what we were doing. We weren't entrepreneurs. We weren't business minded in any way, shape or mm-hmm. form, but we realized that we loved using what we had to compel people and to encourage people online. So mm-hmm. I, um, w- one day was on Twitter with a few girlfriends talking about the Bible and that became She Reads Truth. Mm. And so we were part of uh, forming She Reads Truth. And then I had this friend, Haley Morgan, who you guys know, um, who I would, again, tweet to about motherhood and business and blogging. And we decided to start the Influence Conference. And so we were just kind of like starting things and figuring out where we landed in the midst of that planning a church. Um, But I think think we're done with the starting... No, we're just getting started. <laughs> I, I say that Nick started a new nonprofit like two months ago and literally just came home and was like, I filed a 501c3 today. <laughs> About uh, time. We are, uh, we're, we're like knit together in eternity we, right there because that's kind of how we like, operate too. It's like, scarily alike. Hey, I'm like, hey, Trish, I think we should start this. And the next day I come home, here's all the equipment for what I just said yesterday. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I Man know, of action. Don't that's know, what you are. I don't know if you guys are domain people, but. Like we own like 90 domains. I love that. Do you know that our oldest son, Micah, owned the domain um, Gen Z? Whoa. Gen Z. Good job. Uh, And then he he let it go. He let it go. This was before like Gen Z was Gen Z. We were like, what the heck's Gen Z? And I'm like, oh my gosh, Justin, we are officially old. We don't even know what the (laughs) the next generation is called. And uh, yeah, he ended up giving it up. So talk about domain fail. Oh man! But that's, that's okay. awesome. That's so, what, what prompted you guys yeah, to okay. what prompted you guys to start Bright City? Uh, I was driving back and forth from seminary. Uh, we were in Seattle, and it was the seminary was in Portland, and so I just had a three hour, I think it might have been three and a half hour drive every Monday, and oh, so wow. I just in the beginning of that journey, I told myself I was like, God, if if you are going to speak to me if you're going to give me the next whatever it is like just would you do it in this this drive time and so it just ended up being a lot of good communion with God when you have as many kids as we had who are young and then you lived in a community setting like that was my only alone time yeah and Mm so um yeah I just I was driving back one night and I was jamming out to some like old hill song yeah and um ended up just I just felt like God put it on my heart to start a church that would become a family of churches. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I just didn't have a ton of language to what that meant at that time. Um, but I, I, and then when I told Jess, we were, you know, Seattle, we were in Seattle and Seattle gets cold, but it doesn't get snow okay. and it gets rain, but you know, ne- it, it's like 33 and rainy. Like that's just, 
their deal. And uh, for whatever reason, it snowed like a foot and a half. And so we're, we're at home and we're just hanging out. And I thought that that would be a good time to tell her that God had prompted my heart to start a church. And what happened was, is we were snowed in and she didn't talk to me for like a week, <laughs> five days, five days. And I, like, I remember getting texts that like dinner was ready. It like, wasn't even text because the phones weren't that sophisticated. But it was like T9. Like yeah, you had to T9. work for it. Like, <laughs> press it three times just to get to the D. You're like, oh, you know. It was the through. one thing I said I would never do. I yeah. mean, I just, as soon as I like got the language of what church planting was. And we had, by that point, we had been a part of two church planted, church plants. Yeah. And I would just look at um, the pastor's wife and be like, no, thanks. So you knew. <laughs> I mean, you no, knew. thank yeah. you. Yeah. 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 Um, and at the time also, what he doesn't also also often share is at the time he had been offered the dream job at the church that we were currently at. Yeah. And it was like my dream job. It was his dream job. It was an, a fantastic salary. It was. I feel like it's still more money than I would have ever made at this point in my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> it really was one of those never jobs. Never gotten back there. <laughs> yeah. um, it was just the dream job and like so, was such an honor to be offered. Um, and so he was saying to me, like, I can't take that job in good faith because they're asking me for 20 years. And I, you know, I know I'm not going to be here years, for yeah. two and, um, thankfully again, like in hindsight, that church imploded. I mean, it just literally died. And yeah. so, um, it was really, and, and it was really God's grace on our lives to get us out of there before some of that happened. Yeah. So I would love to hear like, you know, our whole premise of this podcast is just what we learn through life and love and leadership. If you could just say in this season, what have you learned about yourselves in your in your marriage, and then what have you learned about leadership in the midst of leading a church in a pandemic? Mm. It's interesting. I want to start with this because I didn't tell you about this, but even like connecting that question to the me saying I didn't want to plant a church with Nick. So I'm a big advocate when I'm coaching women when I'm talking online about you know accessing God given desire and this idea that for some reason in the church, we get this really backwards idea that God is going to call us to things that we hate yes. and that like, we're just going to abhor them. And like, he's only going to call us to things we hate. And also that if we love doing something that it must be selfish or prideful or wrong. And so I talk about that a lot. And so I actually got a, a really interesting DM from a gal the other day who was like, Hey, help me reconcile that idea with the fact that you said you did not want to plant a church and you stopped talking to Nick for five days. And I said, whoa, awesome question. No one's ever asked me that before. Yeah. And I said, that's such a great question. And I said, well, interestingly, the reason why I said no to Nick, why I didn't want to do that, it primarily fear. I, my immediate fear, and still, I don't know if either of you resonate this, like my, my primary fear and still my primary fear. And the one that I like confess to our staff the most is like, I just don't feel enough. I don't feel spiritual enough. I don't feel like I'll ever be equipped enough. I haven't been to seminary. Um, I just, I, I, I just don't feel like I'm enough. I also was terrified to lose worldly comfort. And at the time we were totally broke, but I was terrified <laughs> to lose the potential of worldly comfort. Yeah. Um, I don't want like, I don't want a Ferrari. I don't want like a mansion. I just, I just wanted to be taken care of and wanted, yeah. and I just saw so many horror stories of that not happening in the church. 
And I also was terrified of continually living without the approval of other people. Mm -hmm. And I knew like when you lead, you're just always, you're just always vulnerable to, to having people not approve of you. So, but, so I was telling her that, say like, that was all fear, but, but in my heart there, there was already, and for sure is now a deep desire to see the renewal of the American church. Mm. And I, I, I know that I know that I know if I see nothing else before I die, I want to see the church be who she could be. And I want to be a part of that. So I was like, the desire is there. It was just the fear blocking me. So I'll just say for me, the biggest lesson I learned in the pandemic and really like genuinely through the kindness of God and Nick, um, I feel like really early, the first few weeks into the pandemic, I just kept like expressing my ceiling very clearly. Like I was like, okay. I can't do this. I can't do this. <laughs> and I won't do this. I won't be an online video producer. I'm not going to do this. I'm yeah. not going to do that. I can't do this. And really lovingly, like just like a week and a half in, he was like, you know, you're going to have to stop like telling me what your ceiling is. Like, and, and he was like, I, I need to tell you in love that like, what, every time you do that, you like keep us from growing, you mm. keep our team from growing and you keep our church from like being able to step in the next thing. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And so I think that that like word, that invitation to me so early on just felt like such an invitation from God that every time I hit another, like, I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> like, I can't do this. I can't do this. That God was like, try. Yeah. Yeah. Let's and, try. And even for you, like the, there, you, there's always more in you. Like you're always capable of more than you realize. And so it's just, you know, God yeah. shows you that. I think that's There's the messy not. part of like ministry. We we talk about this, like if you were to say this in front of our staff or our ministry leaders, they will straight up roll their eyes at me and it's fine until they live it out. And mm. from day one, we have talked about the difference of season and capacity mm-hmm. that in our season, our capacity to be a hundred percent us will change. And our season of parenting, our season of marriage, our season of ministry. And so there was like this huge uptick when church went completely online to, it was like uh, disorienting for churches. I don't know about your church, but we did not have a strong online experience. Yeah. Um, we were three years old and we, we were uplo- just- We uploaded our- Sunday services to YouTube on Tuesday. And that was our online, our online presence. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? We had never made a single video. Yeah. We, 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 ne- we purposely didn't do online because we were like, man, I just, uh, this is, you know, us looking at each other's face. I mean, I don't know if y'all remember when we did that, like without mask, but like when we <laughs> would look at each other's face and like hug and, and be here. I mean, and again, there's nothing wrong with online church. It yeah. just, it, we just made a conscious decision. So it was like, wait, what? We're having to unconsciously undecide that we're, yeah, it was just all new. I don't know if I have my timing right. Cause obviously I'm, I'm stalking on Instagram a little bit, but it felt like you guys had just moved into a new building, right? Like close to when the pandemic hit. Is that right? And so, yeah. yeah so, so you're just kind of like getting your footing, kind of getting some momentum, yeah. rebranding all that yeah. stuff. And then boom. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, so the other part to this year for us or the 2020 for us is it was that seventh year for us 
of, of ministry. And so we knew, like I sensed in my depths of my soul and I had told Jess, which was like freaking her out. I was like, Hey, love, I just, I feel like rest is coming for us. And I feel like this is going to be a year that's going to be way different in ministry than ever. And I feel like we're going to be able to step back. And I feel like I was trying to take the whole year off and I knew that wasn't realistic, but I was like, Hey, we're not starting anything this year. We're like, we had put all these parameters around it. And so like it just, when everything started happening, it was like, okay, God, I did not see it going this way, obviously. Um, so it, for us, or at least for me, it, it, it honestly really helped like slow me down and like mm. take it all in and, and like just renew. And I mean, and this is me saying I had, we had COVID and so I'm not making light of, of COVID, but it just, everything that I sensed of us being able to slow down and, and just find rest in the Lord, um, that happened in the chaos, <laughs> not because everything was great and perfect. And we worked from Hawaii and like all those things, like it just in the midst of the storm, there was the calm. And so we were super grateful for that. And also Nick is an Enneagram one, very patient, intentional visionary. Like he can hold both at the same time. He can hold like details and calmness and also like, here's where we're going. And so genuinely he was like his best self from March to November. I mean, he was his, like, he could speak wild vision and he felt very patient about it. I mean, we always joke about that. So we went, we went on sabbatical in July and the last week of, or like the last week of our sabbatical, I was like, okay, so do you think when we come back from sabbatical, like we're going to go back every week, like we'll go back to worshiping every week. And he was like, um, we're not going back till 2021. Every week. And I was like, no, which also crazy. she didn't want to speak to me at that point either. I didn't. I mean, I was like, Jen, your five day starts now. And I can text you now. We won't go back every week until then. And he was right. Like that was what was right for our people in our city. Um, and, and, and like genuinely ended up being the healthiest for them. Like yeah. it, we, we, mm. once, once I could settle in under like his, his vision, I, I was like, Oh, this is good. God talks to you. Um, it's so crazy. It's so great. I mean, I'm, I know that this is let's get real. So like, I'm, I'm not just trying to like blow how great he is, but he is so great, but literally like, this is even a thing. So we went back to every other week in October. Mm-hmm. So we started coming back in the building every other week in October. Mo- like most churches we're at like 40, 50, 60% um, which we expected. And so it's like not a full room you know, not even slightly a full room. And he looks at our team and he says, when we go back in January, we're going to go to two services. And our entire team was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Why are we going to go to two services? We don't have one. Like, why would we go to two? And he was like, just trust me. This is like people, the people are going to come back. We're going to need two services to be spaced out. Our first Sunday in January, like packed room, standing room only. Like God just... I think when people get in their lane and something about 2020 and like a pandemic enabled Nick Connolly to get in his lane. It was not my lane. Like it was not my lane. I have zero vision. I have no vision whatsoever. Like I, we always say, um, Nick, this is what Nick says, not we. Nick says that my MO is ready, fire, aim. <laughs> that I'm like, everybody, let's go. Let's do the thing. Wait, where are we going? Like, I have no vision. 
Um, but it was just a great year for people who are patient and have vision mm. and who enjoy a slow pace, you yeah. know? So it was good. You guys do a ton of, you guys do a ton of ministry together. Right. And mm-hmm. I want, I want to come back to this, but, um, just you, it feels like you had kind of a, a, a role in bright city for a season, but then it felt like you kind of stepped into more like a pastor pastor and we're doing this together. So I want to come back to that, especially like the women in ministry type piece. But one of the things that Trish and I talk about all the time that we've realized in our marriage, because we do ministry, we do church ministry together. We do marriage ministry together. We do everything together. I cannot get rid of her. And, um, (laughs) but we have recognized uh, we have a great capacity to be phenomenal ministry partners and forget to be really good marriage partners. And Mm. people can equate a good ministry marriage with an actual good marriage. Mm. So how do you guys balance like doing, you know, the Lord, the Lord's work? How do you guys balance doing (laughs) ministry together? But then also like actually having a marriage that's not defined by ministry. I don't, I, I don't know if this is the best month or two for that just because we like I feel like we're you know when you're launching something new or doing a new initiative and you're kicking off everything it it's just a seasonal hustle and mm-hmm. and I forget who said this but hustle has a season I want to say it was John, John Acuff yeah. but yeah. hustle has a season and so we can always look at things and go okay that has an expiration date if it doesn't then I have an expiration date and I will expire yeah, um, and so for us right now, we're not doing it as well. Like, I feel like we're, we're burning the midnight News to me. <laughs> we're, do, we're burning the, the I like to use this opportunity oil. to say we're not doing well. <laughs> well, I, just from my perspective, like I'm at home and I'm like cooking and I'm, I'm like, Oh, Hey, did you make that slide? Or did you, you know, did you email that person? And so for me, I am not doing it well, but there needs to be a break for sure. Yeah. yeah. The rhythms have been hard. It kind of goes back to yep. that season of capacity. Like we all, especially in marriage, you kind of get into this rhythm. Like you said, Jess, like it's, some of this is just like life stuff that not even being in ministry, but all of a sudden you have three babies and talk mm-hmm. about a different season in a different rhythm of life. And with COVID, it was like, it, like they were telling us this is the game plan. And then you would plan for the game plan. And it was like, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. And then the yeah. game plan would change. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this. I think about this a lot, actually. So we, in the last, in, during 2020, we took up running together and um, that has been really wildly helpful. So mm-hmm. I would say like in general, things that we can have outside of church and outside of kids are a really big win for us. Like yeah. things that are lighthearted that we can do, that we can check off our list. That has always really helped us. Um, and so we're just finding a lot of fruit in running together. But I, I came home from a run the other day and, or we we were running the other day and I had this thought, like one thing that I think, cause if I had to give us a score right now, even in the midst of the hustle, I would say like, things aren't bad. No, you're doing great. I just, I I want to be like marriage wise. No, I, we're doing great, but I want to stop talking about We can do a little counseling if you guys need it. I want to stop talking about but, we have this exercise in our first session of our marriage conference that might yeah. be helpful for you guys. <laughs> I mean, we, do we, it. Say, we say at the end of uh, at the end of the first session. The, so the first discussion question, Nick and Jess, is: how, I w- how would I rate my marriage these days? 
So if you give your marriage a two and your wife gives, or you give your marriage a 10 and your wife gives it a two, there's probably a conversation <laughs> that you need to have. <laughs> and so maybe just have the gap, whatever that gap might be between your numbers, yeah. have yeah. that, that, yeah. that conversation. Yeah. I'm just joking. Listen, I'm the gap. She's the 10. <laughs> yeah. I'm the five. Maybe not true. Like if, it, like if anything, I'm the one like kind of struggling right now, but what I think has led to the most help in our marriage is um so i've been saying are either of you west wing fans by any chance oh, oh absolutely. absolutely yeah okay well you know when we watched the whole thing i think twice in 2020 just because of the political climate just to escape yep. it. good yep. job yeah that's me too so um you know on on the best days of like what they say about west wing about president bartlett is they say let bartlett be bartlett mm. because president bartlett's like you know, he's like an anomaly. He's, you know, he loves God and he loves people, but he loves, it's like, he's, he's nobody. He's, he's like nobody we've ever met before, but he's kooky and he's like, he's wild. Mm -hmm. And so they, the best days is when he's not trying to temper himself and he's just himself. He's just like very smart and very loving and very kind and very truthful. Um, and so I think that something has happened for us in the last two-ish years mm -hmm. where like if the if there's a phrase over our marriage, it's let Nick be Nick and let Jess be Jess. Mm -hmm. And so I Good. think a lot of times, whether it's marriage or ministry or just doing a business together, um, that for a long time, I believe that I needed to come as 50% and he would come as 50%. And that that, because we're, we're our personalities are so different. Um, I mean, I am, I'm so emotional and I'm so passionate and Nick is so methodical and <laughs> so intentional. And like, I'm, 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 I, I function, um, in the giftings as a prophet. So like, I really care about how it feels right now. Like what's the spiritual temperature right now. And he really cares about what it's going to feel like 20 years from now. Mm. And so I think we just tempered those things for a long time and that that did not lead to our marriage health mm -hmm. or to the health of our church. Mm -hmm. um, and I think like, I think on the best days in our marriage, when we, even when we just bring our full selves to the table as a marriage, you know, when I say like, this is what I really want, mm -hmm. like, this mm -hmm. is what I really, and he's like, okay, here's what I really want. You mm -hmm. know? Um, I think that is one thing that has helped us, but um uh, what I thought you were going to say about us is um, I, just to normalize this, if, if this is real for you guys or anybody else, but when we fight, which we do, mm -hmm. we fight about the church mm -hmm. pretty much for a few years. There was nothing we fought about, but the church. Mm -hmm. But now if we, it's like, if we, if we're going to really fight, it's usually something back there about like something to have at the church. And one time after we'd gotten in a really big fight about the church, <laughs> like just a huge fight it we just like made up and nick was like i just want to say i'm really grateful that we both love the church so much that we're like willing to fight with each other about it mm. and i was like me too i'm i'm really like the church isn't gonna tear us apart but i'm glad that we want god's glory and like and that we can tell each other like i don't think that's how it's supposed to be <laughs> like i don't think that's it you know we read a book called rocket fuel and it just talks about these two very specific people found in in specifically organizations um, from Walt Disney and his brother to um, Apple, Walmart, or, yeah, Walmart. Uh, Walt, uh, wow. Sam Walton had his had his brother as well. Yeah, so it's this. He talks about the premise that there's two people. There's a visionary, which is like most people know and understand the visionary, um, but the visionary has 
tendencies that are both good and detrimental to keeping on mission. And then um, there's the integrator and that the integrator Mm. and the role that they play. So Justin and I uh, went on sabbatical just like you guys and we, it's just the two of us. It was our 25th anniversary, but we married off another child. So they basically stole our trip, but whatever, we're not bitter. (laughs) So we decided we had a couple in our church say, Hey, you know, we actually have a home in was the near you? Was it was it Savannah, in? Georgia. Oh, it was Savannah. Never mind. Yeah. Um, but um, they're like our we ha- we bought it because one, it's gonna be like our retirement home. But our daughter, who's in college, she is living there, but she's not going to school because the school shut down. Would you like to go? And I'm like, we're so in. So we're on <laughs> on the beach, just the two of us. We're reading this book, and we are literally howling. We are laughing so oh hard because it was like calling us out in all of the best ways, but. Um, it's just so interesting that book unlocked us to be fully Justin and fully Trish. And I'm telling you the biggest lesson we have learned when our marriage imploded and we got out of ministry and Justin was in a non-ministry secular job, like he did really well and it was incredible. (laughs) They had these things called president club trips and we were sitting in the Grand Caymans on these fluffy chair things on the beach. It was incredible. And I looked at Justin and I was like, baby, cheers to never going back in ministry. You know, like we, but what we wow. recognized is like, we had no idea how you can sift every part of who you are in your family. You know, so four years, he does really well, brings in millions of dollars, which we didn't get to the company. But like when he quit, Within there was a, there was 20 a minutes guard at my desk with my stuff. Like, Hey, you can, you're You can go now. Yeah. There's no elders meeting, no like house Trish and the kids doing, it just was business. And it was wow. this wake up call when we stepped back into ministry to really lean into, um, to make sure you're sifting your life through the word of God and through the Holy spirit yeah. and not, um, through just the church. But what makes the church, who, who is the bride of Christ? And it's the personhood of Jesus. Yeah. So th- that's where we need to be anchored to. And, it, mm. you know, it's been a game changer. I would call you, um, Jess, specifically. Um, what Enneagram number are you? I'm an eight. Okay. I did know that. That's right. Yeah. Um, I would say that you have an obsession with encouragement. Like, <laughs> straight up obsession. And sure. what I love about your encouragement is it's not... Like, hey, I have my makeup on encouragement. Sometimes I do, and I'm fully good. And then sometimes I just, I'm in the car. Where, where has that, like, was that poured into you? Is that something that has always been in you? Or is it been a process that, like, you know, you and Nick saying being fully who you are, how did you come into going, like, you know what, I'm going to encourage regardless Regardless of where I'm at, I think oftentimes I ask you this question is we think we can only give good when we feel good and you Mm. have this desire, like it just oozes out of you. And Nick, I just love how, you know, I know social media can give a false sense, but, um, there's a certain type of intimacy that you can't fake even online. And you just see, and you guys, what, what has given you that desire obsession to encourage the world? Hmm. Uh, for can I answer for you? Yeah, oh, this please. is awesome. I yes. so when we were in that tough season of getting out of where we were and just the fog clearing, when you were struggling with depression, 
it almost was like once God healed you, you were like, I'm never going back. And so then you became like a life speaker. Yeah. And then you're like, I'm not letting other people go back or forward or anywhere. Like they're, they're going to get the encouragement too. And so I feel like you (laughs) have that chip on your shoulder of like, I'm never going back and I'm going to grab my girls and take them on a spaceship and encourage everyone. And then from there, you are very optimistic and very positive and it's not false positivity positivity like you still have hard days but you you're you know the way out is to speak truth and life and encouragement even to yourself yeah yeah I don't I mean I think it's I mean this is what you need to know about me no one ever told me I was the girl for the job and I don't say that from a victim place I just say that to give everybody a really honest real picture of um except for Nick he was the one who told me that but I barely passed high school I barely passed high school. I, I, I should not have gotten out of college. I, um, I got my first F in fifth grade in English. Mm. Um, I am, I am, I was like a low achiever. I, um, I attempted suicide twice before I turned 16 or 17. Um, I was addicted to drugs and drinking and smoking and emotionally and, uh, sexually like promiscuous from a really young age like I had no one ever thought I was going anywhere (laughs) like no no one thought I was going anywhere to this day if you ask my mom who loves me and believes me more than anyone else like what has surprised you most about Jess's life she will say like I just we just didn't see this coming if you had asked me in high school where I thought I was going to be I I was pretty sure like jail or I don't know I I had no ambition I had no ambition and so for me, like the, one of the first huge signs of grace in my life was this boy that I met at youth group that like sat for some reason liked me named Nick Connolly. And I, as soon as I like got my teeth in him, I was like, forget it. You're done. I'm here with me forever. <laughs> like I still really just, there's some, there's some grace when you feel like you're still kind of like unsure about how you got the cute boy from youth group to date you mm. and you've been married for 15 years. But, um, so I, I lived the first few years of our marriage in that defeat just extreme. extreme. I, I would have moments where I could pretend mm-hmm. pretty easily, um, but just extreme defeat. Like I, I thought I was the worst person I knew. Mm-hmm. And um, when God healed me from genuinely healed me from depression and, and, and there was a, um, a miraculous thing that happened, but very natural and physical things involved. I was on medication. I went, I went to a counselor. I saw a doctor I exercised and drank water and did the things like I fought in all the ways. But the day that I knew I woke up one day and knew that God had healed me Mm. and he gave me a mental picture of like defeat and despair being a black bird that would fly outside my window. And he just told me like, you have a gun, shoot it, just shoot it. And so I will tell you that there is one thing in this whole world that I hate and it annoys the crap out of everyone that I love, but (laughs) I hate defeat. Mm. I hate defeat. I believe that in Jesus Christ, we have victory. And so I, I think it's, it's a very, it's, it's just a very honest thing that like, when you, when you know what your life should have been 
and you know, like what God did with you and mm-hmm. how unfair that is and how gracious and merciful that is. Mm-hmm. I think I just look at every, I still just look at everybody else and think like, you're all so much more capable than me. <laughs> so like, get out there, let's do this thing, you know? Um, and I, so I think it's less that I love encouragement and more that I hate defeat. Mm-hmm. And I just realized that, and Nick really, I mean, even in those early years of me experiencing a lot of freedom and victory, um, I realized that I could either encourage him or I could like pound him about his defeat and the Mm. the pounding him about his defeat was actually not helpful for him. Mm. Um, but, but like even on our worst days in marriage, that's sometimes what I'm slipping into, you know? Um, and so God has had to teach me how to like, let people feel and let people feel discouraged. Um, but to also just be the like gun sitting right beside them, like, not today, <laughs> not today. Where's your not bird? Happy. I'm coming after it. I want to, I want to <laughs> springboard off of that, that, th- that kind of that idea of defeat, because you guys are in a very similar situation, except I would say, Jess, your platform is exponentially even larger than ours. But when we were in Nashville, we lived in Nashville for six years. We're writing, we're speaking, we're getting to speak at the largest churches in the country. We're doing 20 marriage conferences a year. Um, and we decided to move to Indianapolis to plant Hope City. And literally a friend of ours takes us out to lunch and is like, you're going to ruin your, you're ruining your career. Like there hmm. are people that are dying to have the platform that you have. You're going to give it all up to go and plant a small church. And so I was like, no, no, no. It's that you don't, you don't get it. You don't understand. And we're going to be wildly successful. And so we move. <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. <laughs> oh, no, it's good. I'm with you. And, and so um, we move and we have our, like, we have a, our first, like, info meeting and we have so many people show up at our house. We don't have enough seats. Like, we had to clear out this. Wow. We cleared out all the furniture. And we had, like, I think around 60 people just sitting on the bottom floor of our house. I'm like, this is going to be a mega church next week. Mm-hmm. And three, like, three meetings later, there were, there were like 11 people there. <laughs> and, yeah. and so I'm trying to cast vision for this big vision that God's given me. We had just come back from a, from a California trip where we spoke at a church of like 11,000 people and we are <laughs> our best selves. And then I stand up in front of these 11 people and I just lay an egg and, and I come home and Trish is like, that message, what was, what was with you? You were sweating, <laughs> you were umming and you were stuttering. And I'm like, I don't know what it's like to speak to 11 people. Like I'm used to, I'm used to 2000 people being in the room. Like at cross point, there was the smallest venue we had was two 2,500 people. So, yeah. So I, I say all that to say like your national brand and platform is way, way bigger than bright city. So how do you guys balance not feeling like you have like, you know, you have this, this, this book and you know, the, the ministry success like outside the church. And then you have like, the number one thing that we're passionate about is the church. I mean, other than Jesus, but you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. yeah. from a ministry standpoint, the church is the hope of the world. My book isn't the hope of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like, why can I get, you know, 2,500 people to come hear us speak at another church and yeah. I can't get, you know, 250 people to come to hear us speak at our church. And so mm-hmm. yeah. um, how have you, has that even been, maybe I'm just, uh, maybe I'm just projecting my dysfunction on you guys. And, and but I, I, I just recognize some similarities there and I didn't know how you guys have navigated that or how, how, how you talk yourself out of that. I'm going to say, I'm going to say bold things. And if I say them wrong, just cut this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you. A part of let Jess be Jess 
And I think a part of Let Nick Be Nick yeah. is that we have learned to say what we don't think is good. So I'm going to do that right now. <laughs> when I write a book, 50,000, 75,000, 100,000 people read it. And every single one of those people is encouraged. I pray in Jesus name. I believe that is good. Mm-hmm. And I'm wildly, overwhelmingly grateful. But outside of that, there is a level of Christian fame that I believe has seeped into our churches mm-hmm. and has seeped into our ministry that I believe is not good. Mm-hmm that I think we have copied and pasted what the world has done. And it, there, there is fruit in it sometimes. And a lot of times it is just glorifying a person or a brand Mm -hmm. or a method. And, and it's less glorifying to God. And I have learned to not just say, and my problem with it is that it doesn't disciple people and it doesn't shepherd people. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you guys know, you, I mean, like okay. the, your favorite pastor on Instagram doesn't care that your marriage is falling apart. They can't. Yes. You have to have a pastor who will come to your house and will stand in front of the door and be like, you're not leaving tonight. You're not leaving tonight. Like you have to have that. And so mm-hmm. I think I am wildly thankful for the internet. I am wildly thankful um, that we can like encourage people and serve them. I'm so crazy thankful for books, but my best life now scenario for every person who reads my book is that they're involved in a local church where they are actually shepherded, where they are not just entertained, where they are not just appeased, where they don't just consume something similar to what the world could offer them at a movie theater, at a concert. Let me say it clearly like this. Cut it if you want to. (laughs) I was scrolling Instagram the other day and my daughter was looking over me, my 12-year-old daughter, and she said, is that the Hunger Games? And I said, no, that's a mega church. Like it's starting to look like the Hunger Games. It's starting to smell a lot like the world. And so for me to, to really the healthiest place I can be is to say like the, the, the why of why I can keep fighting to do it, even, even though it's not as like necessarily fruitful in the world's eyes, quotation marks, fruitful in the world's eyes is because I think a lot of what is fruitful is about hype and fame and worshiping people. And I just want people to be in a local church. Now, listen, if that, if that local church where they're getting shepherd shepherded and taught is 2000 people or 10,000 people. And they're getting it. That's what matters to me. I don't care how big it is. I don't think small churches, the way we tell our people all the time. I'm, I don't know if y'all tell your people, but when they're like, I love bright city. Cause it's small. I say like, don't love it. Cause it's small. Cause we're not staying that way. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like we're about to see revival in our city. So don't come here. Cause it's small. Right. Cause we're, we don't worship small. Like we worship people. We worship God and we worship, we worship God, but we love the idea. And we move towards the idea of people mm-hmm. becoming and stepping into the way of the bright. Um, but so all that being said, oh, that's that, good. I have to fight to feel good about it. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. how I, that's how I feel great about it is that I have to fight and say like, 
that it's a, we described it the other day to somebody to some friends of ours who are like wrestling through this and I said like honestly like the like tons of followers and like the the money and the like designer brands on pastor like it's monopoly money to me mm. it's monopoly money to me like I don't want a hundred thousand followers who like me because of my hair I want to be able to speak to people's hearts and encourage them and encourage them to see God in their midst in their everyday lives. And, mm-hmm. and I'm blessed that we get to do that on the internet, but I also really want them to be in a local church because I want someone to come over when they miscarry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want some, someone to come like throw out all the bottles when they find out their son's drinking, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I want them to have somebody who will prayer walk with them when they move to a new neighborhood. And I can't do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a long answer. Do I ever get discouraged about it? I kind of don't anymore, but I have to, it's because there's, there's too much passion. Something that I've, you know, been in the weeds with weeds is not the right word. Um, Just investigating and, and cultivating. Maybe that is the word is this idea of, and, you know, that both are, both are, are great resources and, they can inspire us towards Jesus, but the depth that they lead us is mm. completely different. And yeah. like, I was going to tell you, like, this is the only book of yours I have because every time I get it, I give it to somebody, which is a great sign <laughs> of, but like this, like you can tell, like, this is my favorite thing when somebody shows me my book that's been tattered, but like this, this baby went to the beach with me and it, mm-hmm. and it, um, you know, got a little dog eared here and there, but it was like, <laughs> this book spoke to me, you know, Mm -hmm. God, God used your words to pursue my heart. And I think that's a beautiful thing, but then there's this depth of community and connection that can only Mm -hmm. take place, um, in the church. Mm -hmm. It's like when we go to a conference and we meet each other and that's awesome. And I grow in great spaces, but the local church is a place where we can be fully known and fully loved. It's where we can bring our failures. And so I just thank you guys for, um, just all of it. Like I just, we appreciate you being candid. We um, appreciate you, um, staying in the local church when you could have (laughs) the option to just like peace out and, and know that, um, this is the hard work of love. It is Mm -hmm. the hard work of love in the name of Jesus. And, um, we will not understand it fully on this side of heaven. Um, (laughs) but, you know, those moments of thinking about walking away or like, this is just too hard. Then mm-hmm. you just get that, that next opportunity to not only do the next right thing, but to speak, um, to speak the the truth in the life of transformative life change that happens through yeah. the power mm-hmm. of Jesus. And I can't imagine yeah. doing anything else. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, for me, it's just having that encouragement that anything kingdom related is always described as small. Like it starts as small things yeah. like mustard seeds are the tiny seed. And so okay. um, a lot of people say size doesn't matter, but when you describe the kingdom, Jesus is always like, Hey, this thing is a small thing that moves into a mighty okay. thing. And then we have to figure out what mighty means because a lot of us have different expectations of what mighty could mean. And sometimes mighty means mega to people. And sometimes mighty means like powerful. And I think for me, I've learned the difference between expectancy and expectations. And I think when I have expectations that that is only setting me up 
for discouragement. But if I have expectancy that God will move and God is on the move and God's going to move however he wants to move, then I've never been disappointed with that. Because when you stand on a Sunday and it's like God moves in that one person, yeah, it's like, okay, I had expectancy. I brought the faith to the table Mm -hmm. and God multiplied it and he did what he was supposed to do. And so I think it's just wrapping our hearts and minds around that. But I I think that is like a very, very, very real and common thing. And I think, you know, the beautiful thing is, is that God's using you at the conference and in the local church. And those are really beautiful things. Mm -hmm. And Satan just sometimes hijacks it. And so um, it's tough, but man, those are both beautiful places that he's called you into. Yeah. So good. Nick, I think there are a lot of husbands that struggle when their wife has capacity to lead mm. or to um, have horsepower in even in the workforce or mm. out, anything outside the home. I think there's just, there's this innate struggle to either feel jealous or to feel resentful or to feel mm. whatever. Uh, what would you say to, I mean, it seems like you are a great champion of what Jess, what, what God has laid on Jess's heart to accomplish mm-hmm. for the kingdom what would you say to a husband that is maybe, maybe he doesn't even realize that he is either not the carrier of his wife's dreams or not the encourager of his wife's dreams? Hmm. What What's some, some of the things that you've tried to do in that process to let Jess be Jess? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think interestingly enough, so that the, one of the churches that we were a part of was, um, not the best in encouraging women. And it so full blown sexist. Full blown sexist. <laughs> They're super the balance of like there. honoring and just trying to like recognize where you come from, and then it's not a church anymore. You yeah, it's not a church anymore. Exactly. So anyway, get so your apron on, a, girl. <laughs> yeah. Well, you had all the kids, so maybe you're a, fitting into that. We grew up in a great church that was. Um, I I felt you know is oh, yeah. honoring to women yeah. and and so I, as much as I can remember as like a 16 year old or 18 year old, and then we culture shock into this new thing as we move on. Mm. And so honestly, it took a lot of unlearning um, because we we had like, even if I was like, Jess, you can do it. You're amazing. Like it probably took her five years to realize that she could do it and that she was amazing because there was so much oppression that was put on her and on us. And Mm. so from there, just you start pulling off the layers of, all right, so what is God doing? How does he see women? Um, and then like you start reading the gospels and you're like, man, this is crazy. I mean, this is how God uses women. This is what he does in and through them. Um, and this is what he's capable that what they're capable of if they run hard in the kingdom. And then I think even more than that, like I become better when she's with me. Um, but I mean, I was just talking to someone who's a very influential leader and we were talking about women in ministry and even women as elders. And he was like, look, I'm going to be a jerk around other men. I'm just going to be a jerk around other men if it's just me. But when my wife is in the room and the other wives are in the room, somehow we all become our best selves because we, <laughs> we are, we are better when we're together. Yeah. And so anyway, all that to say is, you know, when you start really seeing uh, what God wants to do in and through someone else, like it is a hard, hard place to be the one who stands between what God can do and will do through someone. Mm-hmm. I think there's a place in uh, one of Peter's letters that talks about how, um, like the husband's prayers are on the line for how he respects and honors his wife. And I'm Mm. butchering the phrasing of that, but man, 
like, I don't want my prayers to have a ceiling because I've put a ceiling on my wife. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think just early on, God just opened my eyes to that. But then the other thing that has been really helpful to me is being secure in who I am. And I'm not just talking about like as a son, it's just something I feel like God's just like really working in my heart. That's just been such a freeing thing for me. Like there is the security that you have in Christ and that he is in you and that you are a son, that you are a daughter, that you are chosen, that you are redeemed, that you are forgiven, that you have all these great things in and through Jesus Christ. And then there's the actual security that you like who he's made you to be. Yeah. Because I don't think a lot of people have that, which then leads to like not being content and then having comparison issues. And so I think I'm really late in the game, but I just, the more I become in awe of who he has actually made me to be like the hopes, the desires, the dreams, the like fun things that I love to do, the weird things that I like, Mm -hmm. I feel like it frees me up to be honoring and see who God's made her to be even more. And not just as a daughter of God, but as one who is uniquely wired and gifted to serve the kingdom. And so that's a really long answer, but I I think that is so good. That's something we say um, a lot to our leaders and even to our kids that their win isn't your loss. Mm. Like when we, when we're all winning, we're literally, we're all winning. So as we close this time down, I do want to close with a confession that I think you guys will enjoy, but I was (laughs) talking to my friend Lindsay and Jess, I cannot remember how I got connected with you. I was trying to think like, when was the first time I was introduced to you? It was but, at a mysterious conference that you had yeah. in your head. <laughs> we'll leave it at she the was path. at a booth at, but well, I mean, I, we met in person when you and Haley, you know, came out yes. with, um, wild and oh, free. Right. Yes. But that's, I was like, you that's had to where do we were it. for sure. Yeah. 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 So I said to my friend, Lindsay, I said, Lindsay, I met this girl. I just absolutely adore her. I, do you know who she is? And <laughs> she's like, what is her name? And I said, her yes. name is. So, say it. Say it. No. Her name I know what you're gonna say. Say is Jess Cannoli. <laughs> oh, that's better than what I thought you were going to say. You know what he thought you were going to say? Haley Morgan? No. Everyone thinks her name is Jessa, but Jessa. it's Jess A. Connolly. On Instagram. So oh. I die laughing. Do you know I Jessa. am seriously dyslexic? Jessa, I just so. want you to pray for me. Girls just, will come to our church for three months and be like, I'm um, Jessa. And I'm like, not my name. <laughs> well, Lindsay was like... <laughs> Do you mean Connolly? And I was like, That's oh, us. shoot, dang, it's not Cannoli? And she's like, no. I wish. You're not, they actually you're not call at our kids' Italian school, they call our kids Cannoli. They don't They don't know how to say our. So when they like, it's we're different in the car every day. line and they're like, Cannoli, kids. I'm like, it's, it's whatever. It's fine. <laughs> it yeah, makes you, me, we'll but it was a very humbling moment. To All right. It's she okay. was it's like, okay. who are you talking about? And I'm like, yeah, so anyway, um, we bonded before you even knew we bonded, I and but I didn't call you Jessa, so now I just feel like I'm winning. freaking winning. Yeah, <laughs> you, so. won. You, won. you won. You guys are great. Thanks. Thank for you all so guys. much. Yeah, absolutely. You guys are doing an amazing job. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you, guys. Hope you enjoyed this. Let's get real episode with Nick and Jess Conley. It was such a huge blessing for us to have this conversation. We want to continue the conversation with you. November the third. Join us online, 8 p.m. You can register at refineus.org or you can jump on the show notes, register for free. It's a 45-minute marriage mentor masterclass. 
I'm saying it because Trish couldn't. We'll see you on November 3rd. Have a great week.